Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Runs World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Today, we're speaking with journalist and sub-three-hour marathoner Kate Carter about running and COVID. So I'm flying solo this week. Uh, ben and Jane are both off. So in place of uh, some kind of, you know, pre-interview banter, I'm going to hit you with a bit, of a, a bit of science. There's two studies, both about the marathon, that I think are interesting, actually. The first one's all about the importance of marathon pacing, which is something we, we talk about a lot, but this, this study really underlines in it. And it found that 77%, 77%, more than three quarters of all marathon PBs across runners of all abilities are achieved when people run the first five kilometres of their marathon within plus or minus 5% of their intended average marathon pace. So in other words, starting out at a sensible, sustainable pace is the way to run your best marathon. So there's a sort of further proof that actually running kind of even splits is uh, is the way to do it. And then another study looked at... Um, the kind of psychology of marathon running it said you know to run your second marathon essentially you've got to forget your first um new research found that um runners forget the pain of a marathon which allows them to sign up for another and this is a study in the journal of pain research which is a, a great kind of um bedtime reads uh and it found that yeah memory is is reconstructive which makes it less accurate and there are several studies showing that both acute and chronic pain is often misremembered and this is particularly true when pain is induced by positively valued experiences, such as a marathon. Um, I think anyone who's run a marathon will kind of, you know, agree with that study that in the in the in the moments after you think I'm not I'm not going to do that again, that was that was horrendous. And then you know, a couple of hours, weeks, or months later, you're you're signing up for another because you remember all the wonderful things that a uh, that a marathon can give you. So there you go, some science to back up that feeling. Um, we had some great responses a while back to um, to Jane's joy plan. And the kind of question was, when were you happiest running? So I thought I'd throw another question out there because it's always great to get um, emails in from people who are listening. Uh, so, yeah, if you fancy answering uh, this one, that'd be great. And, and the question is that I'm interested in is, what's the one thing you'd like to achieve in running before you pack away your trainers for good? And that can be a PB, that could maybe be completing a certain distance, that could just be getting out there regularly and enjoying it. It could be tackling a new terrain, volunteering, or inspiring other people to run. Whatever it is, please let us know. I'll share mine one with you. It's a, it's a bit specific, and it's actually much shorter distance than, than I thought it'd be. But I think actually this is the honest truth. I want to run the sub-five-minute mile. I tried a couple of years ago, and I got quite close, and I got kind of injured before um, 
I could really give it a proper crack. Uh, but I think, yeah, the sub five minute mile. OK, it's not as famous as a sub four minute mile, but that's way, way um, beyond my ability. But I'd like to try and do a sub five minute mile. And I'm now approaching kind of late 30s. So I feel like maybe my opportunity to run quickly over a mile is is beginning to to sort of dwindle. So it's something I'd like to have a crack at over the next couple of years. Um, yeah, again, we'd really love to hear about um, other people's goals. So um, let us know, please. Podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. So look, let's get into the uh, the meat of the show here, which is all about um, running and COVID. So we did get a few letters in uh, a couple of months ago. Where people were asking, said, look, it'd be great if Runners World tackled the subject of running and COVID, and particularly looking at long COVID and the implications uh, for runners there. So we asked Kate Carter, who's done a few of our longer science pieces, to look into this, talk to the people who are kind of at the vanguard of, of COVID research and look at exactly, if you if you have COVID, you know, how quickly can you get back to running? What are some of the red flags? Does running in itself offer you some protection from a disease like COVID and make, make it less likely that you become seriously ill? So she looked into all that stuff and there's an article coming out uh, in Runners World magazine at the end of this month. But we thought we'd give you a little preview into some of the things she looked into. Um, so without further ado, let's bring on our, our guest of the week. Guest of the week, here in the studio, guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone, could be an athlete, could be a physio, or a complete unknown. What can the latest science tell us about when it's safe to lace up our running shoes after a COVID infection? and what the long-term impact on our running may be. Journalist and marathoner Kate Carter has investigated the subject for Runners World, and she's here to tell us more about what she discovered. So, Kate, welcome back to the Runners World podcast. Lovely to be here. You're sort of fast becoming our sort of science correspondent. <laughs> Anything big and scientific, we send you out into the world to find out. I know, it's funny. I think my, um, my, 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 my science teachers at school would be absolutely shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you went really sort of sort of gonzo journalism this because my understanding is that you actually got COVID while writing <laughs> a feature about COVID. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. so it's like the, the journalism equivalent of method acting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. it? Kind of. Actually, what happened was it was kind of complicated. I I thought I had COVID. Well, gosh, it's so complicated. Basically, I my daughter got it, um, and uh, the day before she tested positive, I did a half marathon, and I don't normally I. I don't normally wear a heart rate monitor um, or, or I just turn off the, that function on my watch because I don't really, um, it's just not something I particularly track. But because I had a new Garmin, I'd, I'd left it on. And I just, I started running and I just felt like even after about five minutes, I thought, God, it's really hard work. Five, five minutes of a half marathon, that's not a good sign. I just felt something was very, very wrong. And then yeah. the next day, um, my daughter tested positive for COVID. So I just wonder whether I was um, fighting off at that point or perhaps had had it the week before. Because I didn't feel ill, um, you know, just normally. I just felt really weird when I was running. Um, so possibly I, I had it. Um, but then, yeah, then my daughter got it. And then she was... Sort of fine, you know, just had a couple of days of feeling a bit ropey, but she's definitely had worse things. Um, and then got better. But then she's actually had a, a, a post-viral COVID complication and was oh, wow. in hospital uh, a couple of weeks ago. So it's all been a bit, um, yeah, bit, a bit too in-depth research, really. <laughs> wow, yeah, that is. Um, do, do you think that as a fit person, as a, as a runner, there's a danger that you might kind of, people might underestimate how like how severe covid 
might be because i feel like now we're in this sort of phase of covid where it's kind of something we're living with and maybe fit people think oh i'll be fine i'll just shrug it off yes i mean yes and no because the weird thing about covid is that it does seem so random sometimes i'm um, generally speaking you know being fit and being healthy does protect you yeah that is you know there's a lot of evidence that just being being fit and healthy is, is a really good thing to, for, to see you through covid essentially but at the same time there are people who are extremely fit and healthy who have um nevertheless suffered kind of longer term complications whether it's long covid or just sort of um you know struggling with running particularly yeah. so it, it, on the whole i'd say you know it's, it's a, obviously a really good thing to be a fit runner but it doesn't mean that you're completely in the clear if yeah. that makes sense can we talk about some of the, the kind of the, the worrying end of this? So that there's some data about how COVID can potentially lead to sort of serious cardiac disease. I think it was called myocarditis mm-hmm. or myocarditis. Myocarditis, um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What's the likelihood of that, and, and what, what what's some of the kind of the science around that? Yeah. Well, this was uh, so I don't know if you remember, but like right in the really, really super early days of COVID, when we were kind of still in in oh God, I mean, it all blurs into one, doesn't it? But kind of still in lockdown, yeah. and then and obviously all the sport stopped, um, and then there was a point where they started sort of um, talking about restarting football matches, you know, behind closed yeah. doors yeah. and stuff. Um, and they did some research on footballers, and I, I mean, I think they only you know they did it on footballers because football's where the money is, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and. And it sort of seemed to suggest that there was a really um, uh, an alarming risk of myocarditis, which, um, you know, is basically where, where you sort of can just keel over, essentially. Yeah. And, of course, that's something that in football we have seen um, yeah. horrible, yeah. rare instances of. Um, so there was, like, a super cautious approach and screening people and, like, you know, doing everything super cautiously, which, you know, at the time absolutely made sense. Yeah. But um, sort of since then and over the last couple of years, there's been some biggest studies and they've sort of um, come down to the conclusion that myocarditis isn't isn't a serious um, it, it, the risk of it isn't massively elevated with COVID. I mean it's it's a, it's a small risk but it's a small risk that sort of exists anyway um, as, as we have seen you know with footballers. That's good. Though. And it does okay. seem to be something that it's kind of an undiagnosed thing in young men sometimes. So if you screen, you know, a thousand uh, sporty young men, you will find one or two cases, but you probably would have found them anyway. OK. What about the, um, I guess, the lungs is the other area that's often talked about with COVID. Mm-hmm. Lung disease following COVID. How, how likely does that seem to be? Well, that seems to be something that, that running generally does protect against. Um, uh, one of the doctors I spoke to, um, uh, he, he said that he'd, obviously it is very serious and, and not, not, not something to be taken lightly in people who are vulnerable and, and so on. Yeah. But in athletes that he's seen, he hasn't seen a single example of a kind of long-term lung damage. There's sort of short-term uh, issues, yeah. congestion and sort of things that can affect elite athletes who are trying to perform at the, at the very top level. But it does seem to be protective generally against it if you're kind of a, a fit and healthy person. One of the uh, the interesting things in your article was it talked about um resting heart rate and actually how long it takes resting heart rate yeah. to return after covid it's yeah. right, something like 79 days isn't it yeah that really blew my mind yeah. that that it was basically a, a, um, a really big study that was done in, in the states um 
uh, it was Dr. Jennifer Radin, she's, uh, who I chatted to. She she was actually doing this uh, sort of research before COVID came along um, and tracking tracking using people's Fitbits and uh, Apple Watches and so on. I mean, obviously with their permission, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. they sort of so- signed up to an app and would enter all their data and it would sort of pull in their resting heart rate and their steps and their sleep and so on. Uh, and then they would log if they had any illnesses. And the idea was that you could predict the spread of flu kind of almost quicker than any other uh, method. And then COVID came along and they, they quickly thought, oh, hang on a second, this is you know yeah, completely right. applicable to that. So they basically did the same thing. And people, so, you know, the data all got submitted. And if people got COVID, they logged that. And if they got um, ill with something which subsequently turned out not to be COVID, another another virus, another, you know, whatever, yeah. um, they also kind of logged that. And what she found was that the average time for the resting heart rate to go back to normal with COVID uh, people was 79 days. Oh. Um, and the average time for people who got a bug that wasn't COVID was four days. Um, so, I mean, it is extraordinary. Yeah, it and it is. really, every time anyone says now, oh, it's just another cold, you yeah, just sort of yeah. want to wave that survey <laughs> in their faces. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, I mean, the one thing I guess with that was that was also early on in COVID. So that's kind of a lot of those people wouldn't, wouldn't have been vaccinated at that point. Okay, yeah. Plus, obviously, it was a different strain of COVID. Mm-hmm. So now we're kind of going towards more into Omicron, where it does seem to be better tolerated and you know quicker to recover from so if they did that now on 80,000 people with Omicron I'm not sure that would be the same results yeah but it is interesting isn't it and it has kind of implications about how quickly one should return to training and running after Mm. Covid following your investigation into this I mean what are some of the dangers of trying to return too soon I'm just sort of aware that runners aren't perhaps the most patient people in the world (laughs) <laughs> yeah so um, and and also like the idea of it's very hard isn't it because if you're kind of a committed runner you're kind of used to pushing through um you know not not pain but like kind of resistance yeah, almost you yeah. like you know you feel sluggish but you go anyway you feel a bit rubbish but you go anyway yeah. and, and we're all sometimes a bit rubbish at kind of knowing whether that's our body saying don't fancy it today or really like a warning sign but there are these kind of red flags so like if you feel you know really uh, short of breath uh, in a kind of unusual way if your heart's racing if you're kind of um, really feeling like that then you absolutely shouldn't be running um, what what the kind of the kind of implications with the with the heart rate being slightly higher than normal is that it's kind of it, it just sort of recalibrates all your effort levels so what was easy kind of can seem like moderate and what was moderate yeah. can seem like hard so your heart but your heart doesn't know the difference with your pace right so you, you there's no reason if, as long as you're fit and healthy and you're not getting any alarming signs there's no reason once you've kind of recovered properly that you can't run it's just recognizing that your pace may not be as kind of comfortable at comfortable pace or whatever yeah. as it was before but you're still working as hard so just sort of don't worry about the pace just work to the effort level this is the Runner's World Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So are there any, um, are there any red flags Kate, that you would get where, like, if you were like, uh, well, I'm actually, I'm feeling this, so therefore, actually, I shouldn't be returning to training just yet. Yeah, I mean, things like unexplained breathlessness, um, which obviously, I mean, obviously, you know, you go and do an interval session, you're mm. going to be breathless at the end, but like, you know, sort of suddenly feeling breathless at home or <laughs> yeah. just going up two stairs or something, um, feeling your heart racing, um, anything like that. And and um, another thing, uh, again, you know, these are, these are rare things. It's important to know that they are rare and obviously got so many millions of people now have had it and are fine, but there are things like um, there is a, a slightly increased risk of getting blood clots after covid because it kind of makes your blood a bit sticky um so if you get like a, a sort of like, i think i think there's been cases where someone's thought um oh i've got this sort of swelling in my calf I've, I've, I've popped a calf muscle or something but actually it was you know it's a blood clot so just kind of being aware of that um obviously if there's anything worrying get it checked out um but yeah there are these kind of red flags but just just feeling a bit bit rubbish unfortunately yeah, yeah when you're running unfortunately isn't a red flag it's just uh yeah unlucky i think one of the, the scariest areas of, of covid is is the kind of lo- long covid side of stuff and it's probably a bit of a runner's nightmare that the idea that you might be you know like low on energy and all these things associated with, with long covid um what what did you, what did you discover about that end of covid yeah i think you did talk with a couple of people who had actually been suffering long COVID, yes yes yeah. well, i mean my heart just goes out to them it's just awful because yeah. there's so little yeah. like support and and i mean you know there's there's, there's not enough research yet uh, put, you know maybe not enough money put into it but certainly not enough time yet um and in the meantime they're kind of left in this awful limbo so it's you know it's awful um it does most of the people i've spoken to they are they are people who got it early on um so pre-vaccination um so luckily for those of us who've been you know triple or more, more jabbed that does seem to sort of uh, be a bit protective and also of course the fact that it's now the milder strains of covid at the moment at least um coming through that, that that seems to be kind of you know better from that point of view as well um because yeah there's it's the awful thing is there's very little you could sort of say or do just you know just yeah um but yeah it was really striking talking to because lots of people who have had it were, were super fit and healthy they weren't you know couch potatoes they weren't kind of people who didn't look after their health it's just sort of awful luck in in some instances i mean sometimes it's kind of a compromised immune system but not that anyone can help that either um but yeah it's just horrible on a more positive note do you think as sort of generally speaking through looking into this you'd say that running has some kind of if not a protective element the idea that 
regular runners are possibly better equipped to be to to handle an inf- like a virus like covid would that, would that be fair to say yeah i think i think there's no doubt that just just being fit and healthy is hugely kind of positive um and i think there's some evidence that it can help you recover quicker um you know obviously it doesn't have to be running just sort of um generally being fit and healthy um i mean we've seen that haven't we in the last two years that it's really um that the, unfortunately the people who have you know compromised immune systems who are vulnerable in other ways um who unfortunately have to be you know super cool and still having to isolate themselves and so on and you know those of us who are lucky enough to be able to to get out and be be fit and healthy are, are, are lucky because it does seem to protect um so yeah it's, it's always kind of as in so many of these science things it's always like on the one hand and on the other um, yeah, so yes yeah. we should all be cautious but we should definitely also try to stay fit and healthy because generally speaking i mean it protects against so many things doesn't it yeah exactly yeah that's true that's true um and your own running after like suspected covid did you did you were you kind of quite cautious about getting back into it have you have you found that there's been any kind of like lag in kind of getting back to full fitness i did feel a bit i mean i did feel a a bit rubbish for a couple of weeks i mean as i say i don't know i could have been fighting something else off i maybe had another who who knows you know i'll never know um i did feel a bit like my effort levels were kind of wrong you know and uh, i had to slow down uh, so my easy runs were were easier (laughs) or slower even though they felt the same and so on um but i i I just sort of went with that I, i didn't have to you know, I was lucky that I didn't sort of have to stop running. I think I took a few days off just to kind of see, and then I went for a little trot and thought, yeah, actually, I feel fine at this this level. So just kind of recalibrating what you think you can cope with on any given day, really. Yeah. So finally, Kate, what's what's next for your running then? What's what, what are your next goals this year? Oh, um, uh, doing some sort of uh, do the Vitality 10K is coming up. Uh, I like doing kind of shorter stuff over the summer. I love I love a track race, <laughs> so uh, yeah, mul- yeah. multiple track races. Um, uh, so yeah, hopefully some some faster stuff. Um, and uh, I've got the Tracksmith Mile coming up as well uh, in in May. So uh, yeah, it should be fun. And then maybe maybe a marathon in December, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to be, you're gonna be re- re- refocusing on the marathon then later in the yeah, year. Yeah, it's been a while, but uh, I think I might do Valencia. Fingers crossed. <laughs> oh yeah, nice, nice. Kate, thanks so much for um, for coming on the podcast and also researching the uh, the fascinating area of of COVID, long COVID, mm-hmm. and, and its implications for runners. Always great to have our science uh, correspondent <laughs> on the podcast. So thank you. <laughs> I'll put that on my CV. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A big thanks to our guest Kate Carter and to you, of course, for listening. You can subscribe to three issues of Runners World for just £5. Head over to hearstmagazines.co.uk forward slash Runners World podcast to get this exclusive offer. You can listen to the Runners World podcast on Acast, iTunes and all your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runners World UK. Please subscribe. It makes us very happy. Thank you for listening and see you again next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.